0: Thank you. Well, good morning, Mount Zion Church, those online this morning. I hope you brought your praise with you. Come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning and give God the glory. Come on, church.
1: He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and he's fighting battles. And every knee will bow before him and our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world and his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh, every knee will bow before him oh, 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 oh. up the gates make way before the king of Kings. our God who's come to save is here to set the captives free for who can stop the Lord Almighty and our God is the Lion the Lion of Judah he's roaring with power he's fighting battles and every knee will bow before him and our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him who can stop the lord almighty who can stop the lord almighty who can stop the lord almighty who could stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who could stop the Lord? And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. And he's roaring with power. He's fighting a battle. Every knee will bow before him, and our God is the lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. every knee will bow before Him. Hallelujah, every knee will bow. Every knee will
0: bow. Well, go ahead and have a seat this morning, and I will turn it over to Pastor Jimmy. This is unmuted. (laughs) Hmm?
2: Hello, good morning. All right, just a couple of announcements this morning. Seems like falls here, getting, getting cold, getting cold. Uh, a couple things, we got a couple Bible studies going on in the church um, during the week and on Sunday mornings. The first one is the awe of God, and that's with Miss Jerry downstairs at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. I encourage you to come to that. The second one is on Wednesday nights, and it's called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Wednesday nights from 6 to 7.30. I encourage you that one. The promo gets me pumped up for that one. (laughs) Um, What else we got? Let's see. There's also Sandwich Sunday. That's next Sunday, October 1st. Yeah, the 1st. What? Yeah, already, right? They come and go. You know what I was thinking earlier this morning, I was sitting down, and uh, it's kind of special that we get a sandwich Sunday. I think sometimes I take it for granted. Granted? Granted. Mm -hmm. Granted. No, not granted. 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 Ha! (laughs) I like words. (laughs) No, but think about it. Us being like a smaller church, it works really good, and it's fun. We get to have fellowship. If we were like, let's say, 200 people, imagine trying to run a sandwich Sunday with 200 people if nobody brings anything. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) So, I mean— Don't don't even speak that out. (laughs) I encourage you, come, show up, come to that. It's it's a good time to get to know, because five minutes is only so long for a meet and greet. You (laughs) don't really—some of the best times I've had in this church— is like when we do things out of church or we do things that's like a longer period where you can have full-on conversations, you yeah. know, and it's like you get to know the church. You get to know people more than just like a, hey, how you doing? How was your week? You know, something out of the ordinary. So I encourage you to come down to that. Have some fun. Have, uh, it's soup and salads. That's the theme, and it's getting cold, so I'm excited for soups. What do, oh, big one. Uh, it's October, so that means fall festivals are happening. And you know we, uh, we've been lucky enough and fortunate to come beside Pine Grove Elementary and Pioneer Elementary to help them for their fall festivals. So the first one coming up is Friday the 13th. That's right around the corner, and that's Pine Grove's Harvest Carnival. So we, as you know, we typically provide bounce houses. This year we're going to have our bounce houses plus popcorn, and cotton candy. So there's a lot, and we usually have an information table. We throw candy at kids. Uh, But it needs volunteers is what I'm saying. So please, I encourage you, volunteer. It's a fun time. I've never had a bad Pine Grove Elementary. I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, they do a lot of fun skateboard games with plungers, and the kids are like, (laughs) that's the funnest one. Uh, yeah, so I encourage you, um, sign up. We need volunteers. That's an early one, too. It's the events from 4 to 7. That's a Friday, 4 to 7. But that means for setup, we need to be set up by 4 o'clock. So I'm thinking if we can get here around, anybody that can, I know people work. I know I work. So if you can get here by 2.30, if not, you know, that 3 o'clock, we need to gather stuff up pretty early here and then we'll take it over there luckily it's just i could spit and hit pine grove elementary so it's close um just get there when you can it's yeah <laughs> get there when you can get there all right uh that's all we got so if you guys want to stand we can uh meet and greet for how long 15 minutes no! <laughs> oh ah, i carried the one five
0: All right, thank you so much for keeping a, a good eye on the clock. Appreciate you. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Thank you, Miss Jerry. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, a couple things. Uh, you know, Virgie made this really, you know, she has got that resource table back there for anybody, and You can grab anything on that table. But I thought she did one that I can't wait to put in my Bible. That was really cool. And she made a bunch of these, laminate them and stuff. And all they basically are is, like, it's listed faith and confidence. Well, that's Psalm 119. Where I can go down and give no place to the devil. Well, that's Ephesians and John. She gives chapter and verse to different subjects that you might deal with on a day-to-day basis. And then she recommends just tape it right there in the back of your Bible. And whenever you need to look up something about, I need peace. Well, there it is. John chapter 14, 27, Isaiah 26 through 3 through 4. It's really kind of cool. So I encourage you to check out that resource table back there. And uh, Virgie, you've you got a birthday coming up, don't you? And when is that? 4th of October. And how young will you be? 85. 85. You know what she bugged me about this week? I had to get her a new Bible. She said, I need, I need one of those parallel Bibles that has all four. She is still hungry for different translations of the Bible. God bless you, Virgie. So we got her that Bible, absolutely. Um, hey, I did, but before we, uh, you're doing the offering today, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Before we go into our offer, I did want to give an update. Um, when I came back, I, I went like a bulldozer trying to get uh, moving on more of our reconstruction. And I had the, the glass tinting guy down here yesterday and I had a good phone call with our guy for the projectors and screens and lighting and all that good stuff. And then downstairs, Jimmy and I uh, made some decisions about the children's church and preschool. Also, I'm looking at flooring for the preschool and some throw rugs that need to be done. And also, we found a great deal on some chairs. So a lot of stuff happening with that. Um, I've got to meet with Lowell he, uh, uh, regarding the sale of that property there, but other than that, this week was very productive, and hopefully we get some uh, good feedback. There's a lot of things involved I didn't know. Uh, you know, I've been out of the tech business for so long. Lighting has completely changed, which used to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. is isn't like that anymore with the invention of LEDs, and also the, the distance. What we want to do is, so all the windows will be tinted except we'll leave the crosses the same colors they are. But there's a cross behind here. Some of you might not even know that, but it's so bright you can't keep it up and then we won't be able to have our PowerPoint as well. So what we want to do is move the screens to each side and then tint around that cross so that we'll get rid of all the window coverings in this place, and it'll all be tinted, which will also help with our PG knee bill because it's reflective on the other side. And uh, so it'll all be tinted around. You'll still be able to see outside, but we'll be able to have screens on the right and on the left and then be able to have that nice cross with the blue in the middle every Sunday. I hope that will take... It's not everything I want to do, but... We have a lot of things. We have to get a scaffolding. You know, we, don't, we have wooden joists here, so you can't bring in a lift. So we have to have scaffolding. And so that's why uh, Frank, uh, Frank, Fred is helping out, out so much with uh, down, emptying out the shed down here that nobody has touched for 10 years, and then uh, putting new doors on that so we can house the bounce houses and the scaffolding unit we've got to get, because we need a three-story scaffolding unit for Jimmy to go up there. <laughs> mm <laughs> And uh, because there needs to be a lighting bar here, and we have to take out this light, this fan, and that fan, and that light. I mean, a lot of things have to happen, but we're going to get it done, and uh, I'm excited. Hopefully, before Christmas, our new children's church will be launched, and our our sanctuary will look different, and I'm hoping, 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 hoping. So be in prayer for me, and there's many obstacles, many obstacles. I'm not used to a a small-town county office. We have some of those obstacles, too, so. So be in prayer for us. Bob, I'll turn it over to you for the offertory, if that's okay.
3: Morning. Lord, uh, we just, uh, Lord, just bless, bless the church, Lord God. Bless this church. Bless it financially. Bless the people inside. Bless it with health. Lord, and uh, even more, just give everybody an ample dose of your spirit, your joy, your peace, your wisdom, and uh, the confidence in knowing that uh, you are with us to the end of the days and that you're for us. Lord, give us that big confidence in that, Lord. We thank you for everything, Lord God, and again, uh, you know, put on people's hearts what they need to give, but Lord, I just pray... uh, feel in my heart just to pray to blessing for this church Lord God give everybody here what they need today Lord God fill them up they came here for a reason they came here to be closer to you they came here to be closer to each other Lord God and uh, we know you deliver Lord God may people as they leave this church today Lord uh, just leave better than when they came in and leave with much more of you and much more confidence in you and much more your Holy Spirit burning inside of us. In Jesus name I pray this prayer. Amen. So
0: this morning in my uh, prayer shower I heard this song come on and I spent most of my morning learning it And this morning, I want to share it with you. If you know it, sing it out loud. You should have it by the time we get to the chorus a second time. So why don't we stand to our feet and stand in God's love this morning. Darkness tries to roll over my bones. When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. When brokenness and pain is all I know,
1: I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. 'Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I. Stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love And my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love
0: Shame no longer has a place to hide I am not captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past
1: behind I won't be shaken I won't be shaken and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love no my fear doesn't stand a chance when I Stand in your love No, my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love There's power that can break off every chain There's power that can empty out a grave there's resurrection power that can save. There is power in your name, power in your name. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. No, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I Stand in your love No, my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love Father, we stand in your love
0: today, thanking you and praising you, Jesus. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you jesus the name above every other day
1: jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you sing holy there is no one like
0: you there is none beside you open
1: up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me With your heart and lead me In your love to those around me Mm -hmm.
0: Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever scream.
1: Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name
0: above every other name. Jesus the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever
1: breathe we live for you Oh, we live for you And holy there is no one like you there is none beside you so Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Open up my eyes, oh And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken holy there is no one like you
0: there is none
1: Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love To those around me
0: God, won't you show me show me those around me that need your love let the king of my heart be the mountain where i run the fountain i drink from oh
1: he is my song let the king of my heart be the shadow where i hide The ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. And you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. good, good. Let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, he is my song. And you are good and good. Oh, you are good, good Oh, you are good, good Oh, you are good, good Oh, Oh. you're never gonna let never gonna let me down you're never gonna let never gonna let me down you're never gonna let never gonna let me down you're never gonna let never gonna let me down Cause you are good good oh. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good,
0: oh, you are so good, God, you are so good, God. Father, thank you for being so good to us. No matter what we're going through, we know everything works out for our benefits. Whether here or in the next life, when we are in your presence for eternity, you are good. And you have our good in mind. Father, I just lift up... Eva, particularly this morning, who's been dealing with so much pain, and we ask you to heal her. We thank you, Jesus, for the birth of little Isaac, for Coulter, Nalani, and Jack. God, we just thank you for a perfectly healthy baby boy. Once again, you still have faith in us, God. But we know, even when we don't have faith in you, you are still faithful. And God, I ask you this morning to increase the measure of our faith. Bless us this morning. Bless those who couldn't be with us this morning. Bless those online this morning, God. Give us ears to hear your word. And God, give us wisdom to change where we need to change. Open us up to you this morning, God, because you are good. You are good. You are good. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. I have. Uh, I feel like it's been forever since I've had the pulpit. I've, I don't think in over twenty-seven, twenty-eight years I've ever gone this long without being in the pulpit. So I might be a little rusty today. Might be a little rusty, but I am fired up. I've, I've been thinking about. I know I wasn't supposed to think about stuff on my vacation, but I did. Um, and I wrote down something that when I was uh, staring off at the, the sea of people at the airport and nobody talking to each other, nobody looking around, everybody just heads down in their phones. And I thought, man, this, this is a tug of war. It's a tug of war between the people in front of you and the people on your phone. It's a tug of war. And then I started thinking of all the tug of wars that I feel like I battle on a daily basis. Some of them are bigger than others. The tug of war between your your faith and being at church. The tug of war between reading your Bible. The tug of war of Satan. The tug of war of family. The tug of war of your church family. The tug of war of culture versus our values. The tug of war between Republicans and Democrats. And the tug of war in the news media and the everyday person just trying to find out what's going on without somebody giving their opinion. I learned a long time ago as a preacher, part of my resume, there's pastor, shepherd, preacher is in there. And when it comes to preaching, nobody's really interested in your opinion. They're interested in God's word. And that's what I want to stick with this morning. So when I think of tug of wars, as we go into this series of tug of war, the tug of war, I thought, what is the first one? What was the very first tug of war that took place? The originator of the first tug of war, and it had to do with pride. Pride, the great destroyer. So try to get comfortable in whatever seat you're at here or every seat you're there, but I guarantee you you're going to be a little uncomfortable today. And I pray God makes us all a little uncomfortable. When you're uncomfortable, you've got to move into a different position. Amen? Amen. 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 Pride is one let me let me read a few notes i wrote on pride and believe me i edited this down i edited this down there was a lot about pride pride is one of the most destructive forces of the mind the body and heart on planet earth since the beginning of time pride has reared its ugly head and caused widespread des- devastation and destruction The most harmful thing about pride is what it will do to our relationship with God. Pride is all about the glory of man and not the glory of God. Pride is always exalting itself above God. Pride kills your love for God, kills your passion for God, kills your desire for God. Pride is behind every sin ever committed, every rebellion against God, Everything in His Word. It's the every fall of every heart of every person from the love embraced from His Creator. Pride destroys it. Pride can grow and develop and set its roots, roots in the deep in our hearts to where it becomes so difficult to uproot from our lives it can almost seem impossible. So, only with the help of God can pride be destroyed and kicked out of our hearts. Pride is on the move and growing, especially in these last days. And it shouldn't surprise us. It surprised me how much the Bible talks about pride in the last days. And you're kidding yourself if you don't think we are headed very closely to the, the, the time when Jesus takes us and his second coming, amen? Amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read a lot of Scripture today, so hold on to your Bibles tight. 2 Timothy chapter 3. A couple of verses here, 3 through 5. This is talking about when Christ returns. It says, but I know this. Don't you love that? I could just see Paul. But I know this. There's a lot I don't know, but I know this. I always love that. So Paul's pretty certain here. I know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, which is lifted up. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And having a form of godliness, I love this, but denying its power. And from some such people it says turn away. Denying its power. That's why I love being part of a Pentecostal charismatic church. I never want to be looked at as, well, he's godly, but he doesn't have any of God's power. I I believe that we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish everything God wants us to do. We are filled with the power from on high. But pride is destroying the Christian witness in our world today. And if we don't destroy pride in our hearts, it will destroy your love, your purpose, your calling, and your heart, and your destiny. In no certain words, my plea today, online and in here, is that every Christian will kill pride. Kill it now from every part of your heart. Only God deserves the glory. The problem, we're all born with it. We're born with sinful pride. And then we embrace it. Our sin, life, nature, flesh embraces it. It loves pride. The devil had to learn this lesson. That's the first evidence we have of pride. Now, we call him the devil or Satan, but before that, he was Lucifer, the morning star, the bright, and he was beautiful. Lucifer was breathtaking in wisdom and in beauty. He was a great archangel and a cherub of God. He was the first being to ever have pride, and it destroyed everything, and it caused an enormous fall in heaven that rocked the heavens and the earth. That's how bad the fall was. And really, it wasn't a fall. Can I just clarify? He didn't just go, whoops, I fell. No, God kicked him out and thrust him down violently, it says. And it's all because of the pride in his heart that allowed sin to pour in. Now, we have a lot of scripture because there's a lot to be said about Lucifer. I mean, we should get down to the father of pride. We should get down to where it all started, because if we can get to the root of this thing, we can get rid of it. Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 is full of the framework and the pattern of all the pride and the fall of Lucifer. And I was wondering, why does God even put this in here? Do we really need to know what's going on up there? I mean, it's really, as Isabel would say, it's his business. But I believe God wanted to use, you know, we've heard this phrase before, it's good to learn from your mistakes, but I believe it's better to learn from other people's mistakes. And I think that's why God put it in here, so we can learn. He wanted us to see what the devastation pride can cause in our relationship to God. So let me read a couple of verses out of Ezekiel first. Now this is the prophet Ezekiel saying, the word of the Lord came to me. Now he's going to tell us what the Lord told him. Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In your pride, your heart you say, I am God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God. Though you think you are as wise as God. So God is drawing the comparisons between the prince of Tyrus and the devil in this chapter. Figuratively, the devil is referred to as the prince of Tyrus. Pride is to say to God, you are not needed. That's why it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When you don't need of anything, you don't need God. But what does Psalm 33 say? The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want for anything when it is on God. Pride thinks it knows more than God, is wiser than God, is more enlightened than God, and better than God. God is one that directs us in the paths of his strength, and that his strength should be the first authority in our lives. God is our strength. That is our strength. Pride pleases ourselves as our strength. I can do it. We learn it from a very early age. I'm sure you've seen out of every one of your boys, Anna, I can do it. Especially Johnny. You could probably put Johnny on a giant tractor and you go, I can do it. Put him in a jet airplane, I can do it. <laughs> but that goes against what God calls us. That's why that sin nature is so evident. We never have to teach a toddler mine selfishness we never have to teach a toddler i you need to do it for yourself they always want to do it for themselves till they get tired of failing and failing and then they go help and that's where the strength comes in a parent comes in and helps them accomplish it the child then relies on the strength of the parent the same with god weaknesses weakness can be our greatest friend it also can be the greatest enemy the great question is where do we turn in our weaknesses? Do we continually try to solve these problems on our own or do we turn to God? In weakness we gain strength by focusing on Him. God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians chapter twelve, nine through 10 Let me read them. Paul says to the church of Corinth, he says, He has said to me, meaning God saying to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. Your power is sufficient for, excuse me, not your, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Oh, God, forgive us to try to continually live our lives on our own strength. The devil also tried to become God, to take the throne of God, to be a, and it led to the cataclysmic fall of heaven. One of the names of God is Elohim. Elohim. It's one of the L's. There's a bunch of L's there. should die. a bunch of L's. But Elohim means God the creator. And believe it or not, it's the first word, of God in the Bible. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, Elohim, God. And he created the heaven and earth in the beginning. Elohim is the only creator, only sustainer of life. And the devil in his pride thought he could be the great creator and sustainer of life. But the devil doesn't create anything or sustain any life. He is a counterfeit. Ezekiel is where we get the bulk of this fall. I can't read all of it for you, but let me read some sections in Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, where we have his pride trying to be the Elo, the El's, the Elohim, in the heart of Lucifer. Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, says, The word of the Lord came to me again, saying this, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God. Because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am God. I sit in the seat of gods, in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not a God. You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, with gold. Let me just stop there for a second. You know, he's trying to discover all the, all the spectrum of colors he's trying to describe. And the beauty, brighter than, than any gem and more beautiful. And I thought about this, and I believe the Lord spoke to me in this. I don't have any biblical backing on this, but I believe it's consistent with his word. I believe when we get to heaven... That limit of the spectrum of colors we have on this earth is going to be expanded. I, I don't know how to comprehend it. I don't. But anytime God tries to communicate with us, you know he's got a communication problem because God is thinking God and we think man. So he's got to translate it into man what he's thinking in God. And when I see all these coverings, these different colors and gems and beauty, I just think of the spectrum of light and the colors that we see. We see a beautiful rainbow, and we can see all those colors. But oh my goodness, I think we're going to see a whole bigger spectrum when we get to heaven. I have no idea what that's going to look like. Then he says this. So I think he's, he's just trying to give us a description of how beautiful the colors were within, say, within Lucifer. Then he says this in the second part of that verse 13 the workmanship of your timbers, timblers, and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. So he was not only the lead you know core uh, leading of the chorus of singing, directing, he was also the instruments were prepared for him. He, said, he did all the inst- he knew everything, made all the worship happen. It says that he was the anointed cherub in verse 14, who covers I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Amazing. Lucifer was perfect till iniquity was found in you. Verse 16, by the abundance of your trading, you will become filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, for the midst of fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up, or proud, because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before the kings that might gaze at you. Verse 18, you defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities. By the iniquity of your trading, therefore I brought fire from your midst, and I devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you, and who knew among the peoples all that astonished at you. You have become a whore, and shall be no more forever. Lucifer became the chief enemy of our Creator. He became cruel in every fiber of his being, and he wants to hurt the heart of God any way possible. When your neighbor's too big and you want to hurt him, you kick his dog. That's what Lucifer's trying to do now with us. Lucifer also vehemently attacks the truth of God's Word because he knows if we get that truth and we hold on to that truth, he will be revealed. It's amazing that he became so selfish and so full of himself that he ruined his perfection before God. And how did that look? This is the last section we hear on, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You have weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, here it is, the I wills. I will ascend into heaven I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the Mount of Congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to shale or hell to the lowest depths of the pit. Lucifer means the shining one, the morning star, the light bearer, the day star. When he says he'll bring him down to shale, there have been lots of debates about what that is. Some believe it's a, a never-ending fire that was burning heap of, of the dung and, the, and uh, you know, the waste of people. They would have a big fire. And Some people believe it's an actual place. Some people believe it's in the center of the earth. For me, as long as it's not in heaven, I'm good, right? I don't really care. The incredible knowledge of Newt Lucifer, that's what amazes me. His wisdom, it was perfect, it says. His mercy his love, his greatness. I I just, it almost makes the fall incomprehensible. You were beautiful. You were smart. You had it all going. And I couldn't think of this. How could he betray him? How could Lucifer betray God? How could this beautiful light bearer be turned into darkness? How could the most beloved of God's creatures plot to destroy the loving maker? Lucifer said, I will ascend, I will exalt, I will sit, I will be like. He thought he was just too good, too wise, too beautiful to play second fiddle to anyone. God needed to move over for Lucifer because he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be praised. And it's, a praise, it's amazing how pride will lift ourselves up. It will exalt ourselves above God and foolishly think we don't need God. Why did Lucifer revolt? Why would Lucifer defy and assert the rule of the omnipotent God creator? Why risk it all and go for something you cannot win? I thought about this. You know, even when a football game is happening, they they study the other team, find out their weaknesses and their strengths, they make those adjustments at halftime, and they make it happen. I mean, you can, sometimes you've got to look at the enemy and go, I can't win. How do, why in the world would Lucifer think he could win? So let me, let me tell you a little insight that I got this week that was really important to me, and I hope it helps you understand this too. What helped me to realize that Lucifer could only come to the conclusion that God was his omnipotent creator by faith is the same as for us. The Bible associates the origins of the angels with the first week of creation. We see it in Isaiah 14 above, we just read. But this is is consistent throughout the Bible. For instance, in Job, it says this in Job chapter 38. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Picture Lucifer being created be him conscious sometime in the creation week, somewhere in the cosmos. All he knows is that now he exists and now he is self-aware. And there is also another being who claims to have created him out of the cosmos. But how does Lucifer know that this God's claim is true? Perhaps he alleged the Creator just popped into existence. In the cosmos, just maybe before Lucifer popped into existence. And because the Creator arrived maybe just a little earlier on the scene, so to speak, he was perhaps maybe more powerful, maybe more knowledgeable. But then again, maybe not. Lucifer could only accept God's word to him that he had created him. And that God himself was eternal and infinite. And in his pride, he chose to believe the fantasy that he birthed in his own mind. You might think that Lucifer would believe that both he and God and maybe the other angels just popped into existence. But this is the same basic idea of the greatest modern theologies today. Fundamentally, everyone, whether it's Lucifer, Stephen Hawking, you, me, we have to decide by faith, is the universe self-contained Or was it brought forth and sustained by a creator? In other words, seeing is not believing. Lucifer would have seen and conversed with God, but he still would have to accept by faith that God created him. And you and I have to believe that too. We have to make that same choice just like Lucifer did. Are we going to take God at his word? Is he our creator or is he not? Many people tell me if God would just appear to them, if they would just appear to them, then I'll believe. But throughout the Bible, we see so many examples of where they saw and they heard God, and it was never the issue. The crux of the issue is whether they would accept and trust God's word about himself and about ourselves. Consequently, Lucifer be- didn't believe in faith that God was God. The word ground, it says, he was cut down to the ground. Actually, in the Hebrew, means earth, the planet earth. Lucifer caused a mutiny in heaven, and he convinced a third of the angels to start doubting as well. Same thing we heard in the Garden of Eden. Oh, really, did God really say that? God's afraid if you eat that, you'll be like God. Same argument today. How do you know there's a God, and there wasn't some Big Bang theory? God was your creator. Same thing you have to decide. The fallen angels who followed him just became captains, lieutenants, sergeants, the devoted servants of him. The army of evil spirits became the sworn enemy of the goodness of God and his purposes. They would do everything in their power and they're doing everything in their power under the direction of the devil to obstruct, impede, limit, confuse, and deceive our world and the true knowledge of God and the truth of God's word. This is the tug of war. Be God's goodness against the devil's evil. And the devil uses his major tool of pride to get people to fall into the same trap that he trapped the other angels in, that he trapped Eve and Adam in. It was the first recorded sin of all of God's recorded, of God's, uh, let me say that again. It's the first recorded sin in all of God's creation and it was pride. Ezekiel 28, 17 says, Your heart was lifted up, meaning proud. Because of your beauty, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Pride blinded him to his own existence, to the impossibility. He, uh, you're going to go up against God? His pride blinded him. Pride hinders us to seek God. Psalm, Psalm 10.4 says this, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Pride resists God. It, help, it prevents us from seeking him. And think about it. What does a person who's not thinking about God, what does he think about? What can he think about? All you think about is himself, or those close to him, or those he approves of. He looks around, And he goes, look, at all have I accomplished. I mean, what else is he going to think about? Pride prepares us for the production of sin. It's the base of almost every sin. Every false faith system teaches that man will save himself. And isn't that making man God? Everyone who doesn't believe in God, a Bible, is making up another God. In this book uh, by Larry Crabb called Connecting, a great quote here. Sin is any effort to make life work without absolute dependence upon God. So what's the antidote? Let's wrap this up. What's the antidote to pride? We've got to get the antidote, man, because I am sick of it. I'm sick of it in my own heart. I'm sick of it in my own life. I'm sick of seeing it in this world. Just give me the antidote, God. And He does. He gives it to us in the Bible, His Word. It's humility. Humility. It's that simple. Humility. But humility isn't simple. We think it's simple. I'm the most humble of all. It's not that simple. Pride is a universal human problem, everyone suffers from it from some degree. And when we've exhausted ourselves in pride, the beauty is God doesn't punish us. In fact, he, he brings us low, but he doesn't try to punish us and bring us low, but instead he, he wants to forgive us and restore us. It's amazing. He says again and again in Scripture, what he say? Humble yourselves and I will exalt you. It gives us hope. It gives us encouragement. God takes This is crazy. God takes pleasure in our efforts to humble ourselves. And he loves to bless, and he loves to exalt the humble. Admittedly, humility and the humbling of oneself is not in step with today. Today's world, it's not appealing to be humble. I remember there was a great 49er running back named Frank Gore, Some of you might remember him on the San Francisco 49ers. And I was thinking about him this morning. And I remember Jerry Rice was saying, you know, it's amazing we don't hear more about Frank Gore. He really, truly is one of the greatest running backs of our lifetime. But you don't hear about him. And Jerry Rice was saying, you know what he was saying? He was saying, that's because he doesn't showboat. He doesn't rip off the helmet and go, yeah. He doesn't spike the ball, throw some parade when he makes a great play. He just does his job, makes the play, and gets up and runs back into the huddle. See, he was so humble. And, it, and they were talking like it was a problem. Like maybe he needs to showboat a little bit more, show a little bit more pride, and he'd get the recognition he needs. But if you want to see Frank Gore's re- recognition, just go to the stats. Go look what he did. Our perspective on humility, if it's radically changed... And we can radically change our whole lives. Jonathan Edwards said it this way, we must view humility as one of the most essential things that characterizes true Christianity. People are so wrapped up in pride right now. One perspective can change everything. By the very act of leaving heaven, for instance, and coming to earth and taking the form of man, he demonstrated an unfathomable humility of himself. When Jesus came in the form of man, by the very act of doing that, he was humbling himself. Throughout Jesus's life on earth, he demonstrated a spirit of profound humility. When he said he came, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. On the last night with his disciples, he took a towel and a basin and washed their feet. The Apostle Paul urged the believers in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 2, he said, Have you, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God, a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Paul is trying to tell ordinary believers here in the local church, reflect on that, adopt that attitude, the actions of Jesus. That's what breeds and grows humility. Humbling ourselves is, can be costly. It really can. It can be costly in the workplace. It can be costly in the community or many other ways. But this passage tells us that it's short-sighted. The passage continues. It says, so because of all that stuff about having the mind of Christ, he says, therefore, that's why, he's saying, why it's there. It's therefore, because he's, he said, because of all this that Christ did, therefore God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. That's amazing. So because Jesus lived this perfect humble life. God the Father exalted him to be the name above all names. In Jesus, we have the example of all examples. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So real quickly as we end, how do we gain the mind of Christ? How do we humble ourselves? Because I don't want to be a doormat for Jesus where people just step on you either. It's a tough balance, isn't it? Or what about this? How many times do you hear in the Bible, or I mean, how many times do you hear preachers say? I, I remember I hearing a guy in Sacramento. We've got to take a stand and fight. I was like, I thought the battle was the Lord's. Where did Jesus ever say that? Where did you ever say Jesus say we got to fight? We let the Lord handle our battles. Amen. We humble, if we say, we've got to look at, we can do this, I can do this, I am doing this for this, and I, 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 me, me, I, I, me. Okay, you're a great Christian, I guess, but you're full of pride and lack the power. We need to make a firm, firm, firm decision, and you can do this today. Understand and adopt. Jesus's way of thinking. His values, his attitudes become ours. His strong emphasis on humility and meekness, His example of it. We've got to take hold of our thinking. It's got to take hold of our desires, our conduct. We have to admire his humility and want it and be hungry for it myself. For this to happen, we have to earnestly pray for the Holy Spirit Change my heart, oh God, make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. And realize you can't do it on your own strength. Listen to this. Write this down if you can. We're going to leave this up on the screen here, this next slide. If pride is an exalted sense of who we are in relationship to God and others, humility is having the realistic sense of who we are before God and others. If pride is an exalted sense of who we are, then humility is realistic. We must not think too highly or too lowly. Well, that's ex- that, how do we do that, Pastor? We have to be honest. Just be realistic. And the Word of God tells us in Romans chapter 12. Write that down somewhere. Romans chapter 12. In verse 3 it says, For by grace giving, given to me, the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But think with sober judgment. And then he proceeds in verse 8. He says this. When he, then he proceeds to instruct the believers on how to use their spiritual gifts. We've talked about that before I left for vacation. How do we use our spiritual gifts that God has imparted to you? To serve one another. So what is the right view of ourselves? Now, specifics will vary from person to person. I get it. But certain things are common to us all. Hebrews chapter 9 says we're God's creatures. We're finite. We're small. Dependent. Limited intelligence and ability. Prone to sin. Hello. And soon to die and face God's judgment. But it says we are also God's children created, loved, redeemed by God's grace alone, not by anything of ourselves, and gifted by God with certain unique gifts, abilities, resources, and advantages which are to be used for His glory. When we have the right view of God, the right view of ourselves, it has a profound effect on our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Developing the identity, attitude, the conduct of humility, it does not happen overnight. You have to work at this. It's kind of like peeling an onion. You peel it, another layer. Peel it, another layer. But you keep cutting it away, and it will happen. We forsake pride. We seek humility. We seek humbling ourselves daily, deliberately, making dependence on the Holy Spirit a choice every single day. Francis Filonian was a French archbishop. And he said it this way, Humility is not a grace that can be acquired in a few months. It is the work of a lifetime. And it is a grace that is precious in the sight of God, who in due course will exalt all who embrace it. It comes down to this, folks. The antidote of pride is humble yourselves and let him lift you up. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We got a lot of tug of wars in our life, but we got to get rid of this one, right? We just got to get rid of this one. We have got to stop thinking that we can do anything on our own strength and start relying just on God and getting others centered. And we do that by being humble. Father, I just ask you to expose in each and every one of us, online and here today, God, those areas where pride has crept in. Those areas that we didn't realize we had planted that seed of pride a long time ago, and we have watered it with selfishness, and now we look at this big tree and it's overwhelming. Cut that tree down in the name of Jesus. Cut those areas of my life off. Let me have a realistic view of my Utter dependence on you, Father. That I can do nothing without you. But your word says that I can do all things with the strength of God. So, Father, in our weakness, it is made perfect in your strength. Help us to rely on you more than we ever have. And realize that position where you are God and we are not. Help us to increase our faith. That seeing is not always believing. But asking the Holy Spirit to reveal your truth, God, is real. And there are some people here today and online that have been doubting you for so long. You've come up with conditions. Um, Well, I'll believe God if. I'll believe God when. And that pride has made yourself God in your own eyes. And it's the same sin that Lucifer had. God is God. God is our creator and our father. And when we surrender to that and repent of the way we're living and we turn towards God and accept the free gift of grace of salvation of Christ, uh, righteousness upon our sinful nature, we are set free from all that sin. And we can stand before our Father in heaven blameless, not because of anything we did, but because of Jesus Christ and what he did. Help us follow his example today and walk like him in humility. Let us see people differently, God. See, him with, see people with humble eyes, knowing that there by the grace of God goes I. And to help restore one another. Let us fight this tug of war with you, Father, as our anchor that is immovable. Bless the remainder of our day today. Let us walk out encouraged that as we humble ourselves, you will lift us up. We ask you to do this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Father. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great, great rest of your day. Walk with Jesus. We'll see you Wednesday. (laughs) Amen.